to the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Cecilia Rios Murrieta. Cecilia is a graduate from our full-time MBA class of 2022, and she is also an entrepreneur. In this wide-ranging conversation, we talk with Cecilia about her MBA journey, what led her to Darden, as well as the venture she launched while she was here at Darden, a beverage concept called Jazz. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Cecilia Rios Murrieta. Cecilia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to talk with you. Um, how are you doing? Just, a, I guess, a couple more weeks to graduation, just right around the corner. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been quite the experience. Um, I'm doing well so far. Um, excited to turn in my last finals and get my diploma. Nice. Um, how does it feel to be at this point in the process and look back on the on the past two years? Ah, it's been. Um, I guess it feels it feels a bit of um, you know like bittersweet moments of having that relief that it's finally over. Um, it's been quite the experience with us coming in in the middle of COVID. Um, a completely different experience in the second year, um, but everything just kind of. Coming, finally coming together, all the effort um, feels very rewarding. That's great. All right. Well, um, you're wrapping up your last exams here and graduation on the horizon. Let's talk a little bit more about where you were before business school and, and how you, you got to this decision of an MBA. So let's set the stage a little bit more. Tell us about you and your background. Well, I am originally from Mexico City. Um, I... Um, I, I used to be an entrepreneur, or I still am, actually. Um, but before coming to Darden, I was running uh, a business that I founded in 2012 called La Niña del Mezcal. Um, and I, I basically created a brand and started producing mezcal without any prior knowledge of what the liquor industry was. Um, and and we, we started exporting, uh, focused mainly on the West Coast. And and yeah, that's that's what I was doing. I was just running this this little small mezcal company from Mexico City, um, selling in the United States, connecting with distributors, um, retailers, bartenders, all types of people that are involved in the liquor industry. Um, and I got to a point where I, I I felt that I had come full circle in the capacity that I can that that I was that that I could learn as much as I could in my business. And, and I wanted to do more, uh, but I, I just didn't feel that I would, I would have the tools necessary at my disposal by just running my business. And that's one of the main drivers that, that led me to Darden was to really kind of take that step back from the business and, and, and dedicate myself to learning all of the things that I felt like I could, that, that I needed to learn to come to the, the full potential as a business manager. Well, let's go back a little bit because I'm fascinated how you just decided to start a Mezcal company. Yeah, that, that, that's, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, crazy a little bit, I would say. Um, I have no prior experience in the industry before, before I started my business. Um, and I had no personal connection to Mescal at that moment, except for, um, a, a close friend of my, my brother's who, whose family made Mescal. And, and when I finally went to Oaxaca for the first time in 2009, I, I realized that there was just this, this beautiful spirit that, that, and, and story that just needed to be told. And, and so that's really when I, when, when that kind of curiosity and, and, and desire to do something kind of sparked in me. 
And, and I wanted to be the one to tell that story. I, I, I fell in love with Mescal. I fell in love with the people who were making it. And, and I felt that the world should know about it and, and appreciate it. Um, back in that, that time, Mescal was not very popular. It was, it was, it was undervalued um, in a sense. And, and so I, I kind of took it upon myself to, to share my passion of Mescal with others. Um, that's kind of how the, the business began. People started calling me La Niña del Mezcal because I was just so like intense about making people drink mezcal and talking about it and and falling in love with it and and so that's that's when the the idea of of first creating a blog and writing about mezcal happened and and ultimately that became into a brand. So for people who are less familiar with mezcal, I, I feel like it it has gone through a bit more of a renaissance. But when you were doing this work. Um, I imagine you were doing a lot of educating about what mezcal is and trying to make people aware of the spirit. So tell us a little bit more about what mezcal is. Absolutely. Um, mezcal is a, it's an agave spirit. Um, it's, it's 100% Mexican origin and it's very similar to tequila um, is how I like to describe it. Um, both are agave spirits, but tequila is made with one specific varietal of agave called Tequilana Weber. And mezcal can be made from any type of agave varietal that you find within the denomination of origin. Both are, are protected denominations of origin, which means that they can only be produced inside of Mexico, in the Mexican territory. Um, but mezcal has this sort of, um, a bit more of, of that leeway that you can, you can use different agave varietals you can use different techniques to produce it, and it still has that very authentic traditional production process that makes it special. So, Cecilia, you have this product, Mezcal, and you're trying to break into the West Coast markets in the United States. Uh, what was that process like? Well, Brett, like you said, it was, it was really um, the core element of, of what we were doing was really about education. And, and it was not only kind of breaking into this new market with, with a product that was pretty much unknown at the time, um, but it was the, the main challenge that we had at the beginning was kind of breaking with that misconception that people had. Um, for many, Mezcal kind of associated them with maybe a bad experience. And so, and so that was kind of like our first barrier was like, no, like this is something different. It's not what you remember. Um, we're actually, you know, like this is the original thing. And so convincing people through that storytelling, through that kind of um, just having them come over to the, to the, to the Mezcal side was, was very, was challenging at first, but in the end it was very rewarding. Um, I feel like I, I, I think of myself as someone who loves a challenge. And, and so going against the current competing with giants in the liquor industry um, was, was difficult at first as a small company. But in the end, it was, it was, it was an adventure. It was exciting. That's interesting. I didn't know that Mezcal had this kind of baggage uh, that people would have negative experiences with it. Yeah, um, I think a lot, a lot of it might, be, might come down to like a spring break um, experience where someone had a mezcal with a worm in it. And, and so it was, it was always like, kind of like that association of like, oh no, I'm going to get a terrible hangover. And, and what we were doing with mezcal, with the mezcal that we know today is, is that it's a very sophisticated beverage. And, and so one of the main things that I was trying to do with La Nina was, was shifting that perception, um, teaching people about the diversity of the agaves that exist in, in Mexico. And, and also just, you know, like understanding what makes it unique, because one of the things that people don't know is that we don't age mezcal traditionally. 
Um, that's a that's a European technique, and and so aging comes gives a lot of value to certain spirits, neutral spirits that are grain that are made from grain. But with mezcal, you don't have to age them because the agave has so much character, so much flavor, and 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 nuances within it within the, its its distillation that you don't need to age it. Well, it's interesting because I feel like spirits have gone through a real renaissance in the United States, in particular that. You know, okay, craft beer is having a moment, but it also feels like spirits and these very kind of fancy drinks, uh, lots of like old bartender techniques back in, in vogue. Did this intersect with your launching of your business? Absolutely. Um, I think that was one of the main things that I started to observe in the industry that, that probably motivated me to, to, to go all in with Mezcal. Um, you know, like there was a cocktail renaissance. There were um, speakeasies popping up in in LA, New York, Mexico City, um, and and bartenders relearning this craft of making drinks, making people feel special. Um, and I think all of that connected and 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 yeah, like you said, intersected to a, to the perfect moment to launch this this brand. And 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 it was all part of it. It was all part of the same world. So when did it hit you that an MBA was going to be the right next step for you? Um, so I think it was, it was at the moment when I, I had, I had bootstrapped this company for four years. Um, and then finally I, I found some investors who decided to come in, um, kind of share the load, uh, be part of this business, this vision. Um, uh, and, and, and unfortunately my, my, the, our, our, our relationship didn't come out to be what, what, what we had hoped. Um, so I feel like all of that came into uh, came into play into my decision of of taking that step back and and wanting to become a better business manager, wanting to not make the same mistakes that I that I had made with my business again. Um, even though I had learned a lot throughout the the, the growing this business, um, but I felt like if I could just focus my time during two years, come to a program, and 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 bring that experience into it as well, I I could come out of this ahead of the curve. And how did Darden get on your radar? Uh, my family actually um, has the Darden connection. Uh, my brother is a Darden alum from class of 2011. And uh, so is my sister-in-law. They actually met at Darden. And, and so, I, it, I mean, Darden has been part of the family for years. And, and I remember coming to Charlottesville for his graduation and meeting all his, all his classmates um, meeting Cheryl Jones, who, who has, is a big part of the, the Darden community in Latin America. Um, and, and I had, at that time, I, I, I had this, this knowing that I would come to Darden. But as my business progressed, I, I had actually lost that, um, that hope and that idea that I, that I would come. But then, I mean, it was always there. All right. Well, you come to Darden and you've been an entrepreneur did you think entrepreneurship was in your future, you know, launching your own venture? Is that something that was on on the on your timeline post MBA when you arrived at Darden? I would have to say yes. Um, I think being an entrepreneur will always be a part of my life, and and I came to Darden on that premise and on the, knowing that that I wanted to be a better entrepreneur. Um, but I also had other aspirations in terms of of. Like I wanted to experience working for a big company and I wanted to learn what it was like to, to be in a corporate setting. And, and so um, I, I, 
I came, I think, I guess I came here thinking I wanted to try out both avenues and just kind of being very open-minded. And what was that like? I mean, sometimes one of the things you hear about here on the podcast is it can be hard to move in a few different directions simultaneously in that first year when you're trying to navigate being a new student at Darden and the expectations that come with being prepared for class and, oh, by the way, all the social stuff that comes with being part of the community. Um, how was that? Um, trying to basically pursue pursue maybe a couple of potential career paths. It was definitely scary at first. Um, you know, like you come in and the first thing they tell you is like, oh, you're, it's, this is like drinking water from the hose, right? Like, it, and, and I, I like the fact that nobody tries to sugarcoat it. Um, but, but yeah, like it, balancing everything with clubs and social activities um, and the recruiting process, I think it, it was... It, it was a bit of a, a uh, an exercise of of understanding what my priorities were, and 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 just knowing that I that I can't be everywhere. Um, so so I, I I had to really focus on what I wanted to do, um, and but I also figured that you know like I could I could kind of compartmentalize things. And so when it came to down to recruiting, I, I focused one hundred percent on that. Um, well, also on my classes, but, uh, but I, I kind of, I thought, okay, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, um, there's going to be a time for that. And so I kind of focused my first year on recruiting, um, recruited for consulting, went through the entire process. And then once I was, I was ready, then I said, okay, now I can do entrepreneurship full time. And then I went into that. Um, so, so just, just a matter of, of knowing, I think ahead of time, having two or three options that you know, you want to do. And, and understanding that there's times for that, for each one of them. I appreciate that point. A season for all things. Um, yeah, exactly. so, so kind of rounding into your entrepreneurial journey. Um, so you had launched a, a mezcal company and here you were in a business school environment. Entrepreneurship was on your mind. And so what was the next step on your entrepreneurial path? Well, I think um, part of the, something that, that, um, that happened as well that, that motivated me to come to Darden um, was that I, I actually quit drinking. Um, so about three years ago, back in 2018, I decided that um, if I wanted to get serious about, you know, like being a better business leader and, and just improving, and, and, I mean, I guess just making time and, 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 and becoming um, the person that I wanted to be, I, I had to let go of things that that were no longer serving me, and so drinking was a part of that, and that and that really kind of paved the way into like my next business. Um, I as I went through that 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 journey of knowing myself again and and becoming a sober person, I realized that there was a big gap in the market for people like me who 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 maybe love to drink and then quit drinking or maybe likes to drink, but doesn't drink every day or doesn't want to drink every day, but still wants to be a part of all the rituals that, that, that surround drinking. And that's really one of the things that I loved about Mezcal was that it, it was, it wasn't just about having a Mezcal. It was about everything else that involved it, the storytelling, the aspects of sharing, uh, you know, experiences with people you, you love and you know. And, and so I, I, I kept thinking that there should be a non-alcoholic drink that involved that. And, and so I came to Darden with that premise, with that idea, that concept, which I pitched to, to the Batten Institute. Um, and, and so I, that was one of the main things that I, that I focused on during my time here was, was just learning how people reacted around alcohol, observing my classmates, observing myself, 
and then putting that all into this concept that is now um, jazz, which is the new the new non alcoholic cocktail beverage that I'm launching um, this this summer. <laughs> well, you make a good point. I mean, I'm trying to think about the non alcoholic beverage market, and it, it's like soft drinks, fruit yeah. juice. Um, it's if if you are a cocktail person and you are moving away from drinking and you're trying to find something that approximates a cocktail. Um, there's not really a lot there for you other than maybe just a soft drink, which would be part of yeah. a mixer or something. I'm trying to think about what this might be like. A, so. a soft drink, um, a seltzer perhaps I think is, is one of the most common now. Um, but, but it's really just not enough. And, and if you ask any, any, um, you know, any, anyone who drinks alcohol, um, today, you know, like there, there are elements of the alcohol experience that, 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 that kind of are ingrained in our, in our identity that doesn't exist within the realm of non-alcoholic drinks. Um, you mentioned a Coke, right? A Coke is not going to make you feel the same way that a Jack Daniels is going to make you feel. Um, and so, and so it's, it's really about kind of incorporating all of those elements of the, maybe the social ritual, the, the, the experience that comes behind it, the story of why this beverage was produced, um, and then incorporating that into the non-alcoholic ex experience, and and making the the drinker feel special, making it feel like like they're drinking something unique, making them feel that this was made purposefully for them, and that's what you get when you go to a bar and you have a craft cocktail. Like someone's making something for you based on your taste, based on your experiences, and and that's what we we're recreating with jazz. Is is just giving people that that same feeling of, of, oh no, this beverage, it's not just a Coke. It's not just a, um, it's not just a, a, a sparkling water. It's, it's something that was made specially for me. So how do you get started with an idea like this? Like, okay, it's one thing to say, I'd like to try to find some way into this non-alcoholic beverage market, but how do you get started with figuring out what it is you want to do specifically? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think it all starts with a problem, right? Like you, you, you feel a pain point um, a, a lot. I feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs today um, are very personally intertwined with what they're trying to solve, right? Like they have that problem personally. Um, in my case, it, it, it usually is that way as an entrepreneur. But, but you can also just, you know, like you can ask people, you can, you can create surveys, you can, you can just observe the markets around you, places that, that you're in. And, and find, you know, like a, something that needs to be solved. And that, and I think that's the root of all entrepreneurship, right? Like we're just trying to make our world better. Um, and, and there's so many different industries for that. There's so many different avenues to, to tap into. And, and so I, I love beverages. So that's kind of like my thing. I love, um, I love people consuming things that make them feel something, um, about themselves, something, maybe some way they want to feel. Um, so I'm very, I'm very passionate about kind of like that, the consumer journey, the consumer experience, um, and, and, and why we choose things and why we make those decisions when we want to buy something. Um, so, so that's, I, I feel like, like if you're just curious enough about the world, like you can become an entrepreneur. I love that point about curiosity and people's experiences and understanding people's perspectives, the reasons why they make the choices that they make. How, how was Darden helpful to you along? along this journey as you iterated on this product? Well, I think this was one of the best um, places to be for this. Um, I, you know, like there's so many tools at, at your disposal and, and I, I, you know, like I had a lot of help from Batten Institute, um, just 
providing resources, providing the network, the Darden network that exists, um, just people everywhere you look, like anything that you can think of, there's someone at Darden who has done it or who has um, some type of experience or who can connect you to the right person. Um, so that was very helpful for me. Um, I, I found mentorship at Darden that I had never had before. Um, you know, like I came from running my own business by myself with, with help of my family, but I had never had that type of mentorship that I found here where it's like someone who, who's constantly kind of pushing you to, to be better, to, to ask the right questions, to, to, to look for more. And, and so that was, that was extremely helpful. And the faculty as well. Um, everywhere, every class that I had, almost every class, there were fine, there, I would find ways that I could in incorporate my, my business and my, my concept into it, like whether it was finance um, or uh, my brand management class, my project management class, also very important, um, accounting. And so I, I think there were, um, you know, like if you come here and, and you come with an idea or you come with a, with a goal that you want to, that you want to reach and, and, and everyone, the, the experience at Darden is so personable and so intimate that everyone knows you and knows what you're going for and what you want. And so they, they try to incorporate that into every aspect of the experience. I appreciate that point about the community because I feel like with the entrepreneurs we've interviewed here on the podcast, they've all talked about how other student founders and other students have been really helpful along their journey. Has that has that been your experience too? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, we've we found at Darden this little community of entrepreneurs. Um, like I said, you know, like I had the experience before of being a, a solo entrepreneur and being very lonely. And then coming here and, and meeting other people like yourself who are going through that same journey, um, perhaps some at different different points of their journey, but it's still, you know, like you're you have you finally find the support group where um, if you need help with you know like Google Ads, like you can you know you could just go into the group chat and talk to people. Um, we also have um, uh, a group. We we founded a group of, of female entrepreneurs specifically called KPI Club. Um, and this happened in, in my class, uh, uh, Megan Nash, who's, who's my classmate. She, she started the KPI club and, and we, we started with biweekly meetings and just, you know, kind of coming in with our, with our ideas and, and, and setting goals for ourselves, um, KPI club, because we, we were following our KPIs and, and just kind of having the sense of accountability amongst ourselves really pushed us to be better and, and, and. And as well, you know, like we're supported by, by Damon DeVito, who's a great ally of all of the entrepreneurs here at Darden. Um, you know, like, and, and our goal is to, to, to continue this, you know, like we're, we may be graduating in a couple of weeks, um, but most of us are going to continue with our businesses. And so I'm, I'm really hopeful for, for all of us to continue meeting on a recurring basis and, and just keep, keep that accountability and following up on, on each of our, of our, of our growth. How has the product changed as you've worked on it? Um, is it where it basically started, just like small improvements, or have there been significant leaps along the way? Definitely significant leaps. Um, you know, like I, I, I actually, uh, I, I started here with a concept. Um, I pitched at the, the eCup, um, UVA's uh, entrepreneurial competition. And, and, and that was great, you know, because you have, you have something that you haven't even created. It's just an idea. And, and so um, getting, getting that feedback from the judges was very valuable uh, and, and, and it really helps you kind of hone in on what you're actually doing. Um, and so the concept has definitely evolved from, from the start. The name changed. Um, we used to be called Joie de Sans, now it's jazz. It's a little bit easier on the tongue. And, and 
and and the actual MVP has changed a couple of times as well. Um, you know, like during our customer discovery, we created a couple of recipes, um, and 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 all of that has been to, to in an effort to refine that. Um, we're finally launching our first full scale production um, at the end of this month, which will be ready in June. And and that first full scale production is is an evolution of all of these little kind of small batches, all of the ideas that have come in from from consumers, um, from the people here at Darden who have tasted it, who have um, kind of given given their time to to be guinea pigs, um, and so yeah, it's 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 an evolution, and we're ready to see the final result, and and we're very excited about the launch. Yeah, I think I did know that it previously had a pre prior name, uh, different than the name that you shared earlier, Jazz. Um, yeah. How did, how did you land on Jazz as a name for the product? So Jazz is an acronym. Um, our, my original name was Joie de Sans, um, which was just kind of like a um, this feeling that I had when I quit drinking. I, I really, like one of the biggest fears that I had when I when I was about to quit drinking was that I was going to miss out on things. And and I and that, and I think that happens to a lot of people. It's like you 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 know perhaps that you you need to leave this, um, but but you cannot imagine what your life will be without it, right? And and so, um, joie de sans for me was this kind of joie de vivre of just living without things. Sans in French means without, and or or minus. Um, and so and so joie de sans was like this this feeling that I had when I when I finally discovered that my life was better without alcohol and that I wasn't missing out on things that I was actually living my best life. Uh, and, and so the evolution of the name happened because it was a little tricky for, for people to, to, to remember and, and say. And so, um, I wanted something to be kind of straight to the point. And jazz is, is the acronym for joie avec sans, which is more of the joy of living without any compromise. All right. A little bit of French lesson for everybody. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, have you, I mean, it, feels like one of the things that we've also touched on with student founders here is how oh, all of the things going on in the world over the past two years may have affected uh, their their ventures. So you've been affected by supply chain issues or anything like, I mean, there was a period of time where people just weren't socializing very much. Did that change um, your thinking about your business? Maybe what you'd want to do? wonder how COVID impacted. Yeah, I, I think, I think definitely COVID had a big impact in my business. Um, and, and not, not so much directly on my business at the time, because it was still a concept, but more as the, as a, as an impact in the market. Um, I think COVID taught us a lot about, uh, about our social, social interactions. Um, it allowed many people to just kind of be at home and be in tune with themselves. And, and so, as, as COVID started happening and as I was kind of entering my second year of sobriety, I realized a lot of my friends were, were, were kind of, there was, there was a period at the beginning of COVID when there was a lot of excess, right? Like even at, even at my home, like we were just like, okay, like it might be the end of the world. Let's just eat pasta every day, um, bread all the time. Um, and a lot of people were drinking a lot. Um, and so as we started exiting the pandemic, a lot of people started realizing that perhaps this was not the best way to live. And, and so, um, that impacted a lot of the, the behavior that we see in people wanting to get better, wanting to, um, you know, take care, take care of themselves, which has definitely impacted the non-alcoholic market. And, and another, um, uh, big, big shift in the, in, in, in the trends is the way that we shop, right? Um, a lot of people shifted to, into e-commerce and, and so that, that kind of, 
paved the way for us to say, okay, perhaps this is a big market and we need to pay attention to how people are, are buying online. Um, so we're, we're, we're incorporating all of those lessons into, into our business plan. And, and as we move forward, um, you know, things, things continue to change and we iterate. Um, and so just kind of trying to respond to those trends um, has been a big part of it. Yeah, I can remember thinking a few years ago, why would anybody order their groceries online? Why wouldn't you just go to the grocery store? Very wrong about that, by the way. Exactly. Uh, you know, so, and here in DC, there's a number, and I'm sure all over the place at this point, there are a number of alcohol delivery services. You can just yeah. have it brought straight to your to your door. Uh, so, uh, all kinds of things to to think about if you're trying to be in this beverage market, which feels like a very competitive market to me. I mean. If you look at, I mean, you just walk down any grocery store aisle, particularly with, the, I mean, seltzer. How many different versions of seltzers are there? Both hard <laughs> alcohol and 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 non-alcoholic sodas, the same. I mean, how do you think about breaking into something that seems as crowded as the beverage market? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a beast. Beverage, the beverage market is 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 very intense. The retail um, competition, everything, um, and I think. I think that's where I, I, I really, I, I like to incorporate the lessons that I learned when I was making my mezcal um, and, and thinking about who are our consumers? Like, what are they looking for? Uh, what do they want us to tell them? And, 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 and in the end, it really comes down to, to creating authentic relationships with people. Um, I'm a firm believer in, in that, you know, like you can put a million dollars into something and if it doesn't have heart and soul, that then it won't it won't stick. You know, people people today have access to so much information. They have access to um, so many brands and so many you know like ads. You know, just kind of popping up everywhere. Um, and so, what is really connecting with people are, are real stories and and real products that 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 convey those stories. I think um, I think yes, it is a very competitive market. Um, but but if you if you are true to 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 your consumers and and you really kind of focus on delivering a good quality product, then, you know, like in the end, it, it'll all kind of um, fall into place. Yeah, I appreciate that point around story. I just overwhelmed every time I walk down the section of the grocery store that has the seltzers. I mean, I think about this used to be maybe two brands, three brands yeah. in the seltzer and specifically the hard seltzer. Yeah. But now... Just the proliferation. It's like when, when one company realizes another company has hit on an idea, you got to be in that space. And you can see it in beer now, you know, number of craft beers out there. Just gosh, how do you, how do you connect with the consumer? It has to be around story. It has to be around that kind of product differentiation. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, and it, and it could be a good story and bad product. And, and again, I think it's a combination of both, right? Like you have to have a good product that has to taste good or um, look good. And, and so there's a lot of little elements there that, that are involved. But, but in the end, you know, like we're connecting with real people, right? Like you have so many different things at the store, but, but what are you going to remember? And, it, and it's kind of like that, that intimate connection that you can create with the consumer is what they will remember. When you look back on your time at Darden, is there a class that stands out to you or a favorite favorite moment uh, from, from your time here? Uh, so many. <laughs> um, I, I think um, one of, one of, I think one of my funnest classes was probably brand management uh, it, with, with Kim Whitler. It was, it was a great class, and I think 
I, I, I kind of wish we had like a, like more classes with her because um, there's just so much that you can do and learn and, and one quarter just goes by so quickly. Um, so definitely that was one of the, one of the things that I, that I really enjoyed having a very hands-on experience working with a big company that was, that was linked to this, to this course um, and, and creating things. Um, I, I think, you know, like all of, all of the classes are very valuable at Darden, but, but I, I, I gravitate more towards kind of like these creative subjects where, where I can, where I can really kind of just feel in my element of, of making things happen. And, and so brand management was a class that was very hands-on, uh, learned very useful concepts just for, for, for not only, you know, like if you're an entrepreneur or, or you're, you're going into um, like a product management role, um, but also uh, very important for personal branding, I think. Um, very important lessons that, that you can adapt into your own personal life. And I imagine for an entrepreneur, that line between personal branding and company branding, like there's maybe a little bit more of a direct connection uh, for, for many, than for many people. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think as an entrepreneur, you are the living, breathing kind of poster of the brand. Um, but, but also um, as an MBA student, I think, you know, like even as, as we're, we're in our applications, right? Like we're writing our applications, it's all about personal branding. It's all about like, okay, well, who am I and what am I going to give to the world? And, and so um, it's always kind of like important to think about like it, ha having, having those, those, those tools to kind of really dissect what makes you unique and what you have to offer to the world and, and how you're going to do that. And, and, and I think, um, you know, thinking about that as we graduate is, 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 is super important. Well, I want to come back to your, your career story. So we've talked a lot about your venture here, but we also touched on that you were also pursuing a consulting path at one point. So what, what are you doing after graduation, Cecilia? Yeah, um, I am actually going to Bain. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, I, I went through the through recruiting process for consulting, which is very intense um, and uh, very fun as well. I think um, I, re I actually really enjoyed casing. Uh, I enjoyed casing with my classmates, with, with other people outside of, of Darden. And it, it was um, it was a very... Um, you know, like networking, all of that were, are things that I that I really enjoy. Um, and so I, I wanted to be, I wanted to try myself as a consultant first and, and go into um, a role where I could have the opportunity of working with very talented people um, side by side and, and, and with clients that are, you know, like these are big companies. These are people who have gone through all of the challenges that you could possibly think of. Um, and so, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to 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 immerse myself in that sort of environment, at least for for you know like everyone goes into consulting thinking I'll be there two years maybe more. Um, I'm I'm looking at this as as an opportunity to to discover other areas of, of myself, and um, I'm again I'm I'm very open minded, and so I'm I, I'm not coming in with a time limit or anything like you know whatever. As long as I love being there, I will be there. And you'll continue to run uh, jazz. Yes. Yes, it's 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 uh it's been the 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 big question of 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 many people. It's like, how are you going to do both things? Uh, I am confident that I will manage. Uh, I I started jazz with a full time MBA, um, somehow managed to get to this point, and 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 I also you know like I was running my business from Mexico, um, and so I, I think 
I think there are ways to, to again, kind of come into that prioritization, very organized. Um, just I will I will find it the way to make it happen. <laughs> so a quick question for our prospective student listeners um, who may have been intrigued by your comment about consulting, recruiting being intense. And um, we always try to help people understand what these paths look like for people. And um, you mentioned casing, and I wonder yeah. if you could just offer a little bit more insights on what that recruiting process looks like for students. Because I'm sure we have some people listening to this interview that are perhaps interested in going to work for a consultant. Absolutely. Um, so, so unlike, uh, there are a couple of career paths at, at, um, at the MBA that, that are very structured. And I think consulting is one of them. Um, which, which is very beneficial because you, you kind of have this idea of like what you need to do and, and, and how you're going to do it in order to be successful. Um, and so consulting involves a great deal of networking at the beginning. Um, you know, you're meeting people from different consulting firms, you're getting to know them, you're getting to know, um, different offices in different parts of the United States or the world, depending on where you're recruiting. Um, and, and so all of that is, is, is just like a very, um, intense, um, networking process. And by intense, I mean, it's just very, it's, it's just like, there's a lot of people that you're going to be meeting. Um, and so you're going to be repeating the same story. You're going to be practicing the story about who you are, um, continuously and, and, and learning to be, um, I always, I always advise people to be very inquisitive when you're, when you're meeting new people is just like, learn how to listen and, 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 and it's not all about like questions that, that relate to yourself, right? Like you want to, you want to be open-minded and you want to talk to people and, and learn about them because in the end, these are the people that you're going to be working with. Um, so that, that's, that's part of the networking process. And then the casing is, is really just kind of like the technical preparation for your interview. Um, and, and, and the case in, in consulting is basically just, you know, you're given a problem and you have to, um, kind of solve it or, or at least plan the way you're going to solve it with your interviewer. Um, and, and that's the part of the interview that's really fun. Um, or at least for me, <laughs> uh, because you, 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 you learn how to, uh, dissect problems and, and just see how, what are the areas of like the business that are being impacted by something and, and, and just talking through it with your interviewer. Um, in, in the end, you, 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 you're basically like you're, you're solving the case, right? Like you're, that's, that's what casing is. You solve the case. Um, so it's like a little mini puzzle every time you have an interview. And I imagine that takes some time to get ready for those interviews because you're, yes. you're practicing, right? You're practicing yes. cases. You're practicing cases. Um, you're going to be practicing for a month or more. Um, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to, you're going to give cases to people. People are going to give cases to you. Um, and, and it's, it, it can get a little overwhelming because it's almost like a race. Like while you're at Darden, everyone's like, oh, I already did 30 cases. I did 40. I have 50. And it's really not about, I, I, I don't think it's so much more about the numbers, but more about the actual progression that, that you're having. Um, there, there's a lot of, um, tutoring going on at Darden. There's a lot of resources that the consulting club offers, um, to get better at casing. Um, so, so again, like it's, I don't mean to overwhelm anyone, but it's, it's, it's more about like knowing what you're coming into and, and knowing that it's a process and you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to be training to, to become perfect at this interview. And if you go through the, the steps, you're going to be successful. Yeah. I appreciate your point around how current students help each other. Right. So we oh, yeah. sure you, I'm sure you practice with some of your classmates and yes. also second year students. 
Yes, second year students are a big part of that. Um, we are, now that I am a second year student, uh, but but yeah, the second year students have that experience, right? Like they're still at Darden. They they went through everything that you're going to go through and, and they're a great resource to just kind of um, talk to, um, get their advice, get their connections as well. They can connect you. Like there are second year students who are going to work where you're applying to. So um, definitely a great great way um to to be successful is to stay connected to 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 the to the students well cecilia uh a question for you as we as we wrap up here uh, what's one piece of advice you would share with our listeners something you would encourage them to think about it as they take the next step on their mba journey oh that's a great question um i think i i would recommend um your listeners to to just be stay curious and and be open-minded about the opportunities that that can arise while you're you're doing your mba um you know like we 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 come here with with an idea to do something um it could be starting a new business or it could be you already know what what career you're going into um but it doesn't hurt to 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 maintain an open mind to other opportunities um because the world is just constantly changing right like everything is happening uh, every day, and and so coming here with that with an open mind to to being part of a group or maybe running a, a, a club or um, you know even running for for DSA, um, I, I think just having having an open mind and not closing yourself off before you get here is is one of the best advices that uh, that I would give. I appreciate that being open yeah. uh, to to opportunities and staying curious. Um, if someone wanted to learn more about about jazz, how could they learn more about your product? Yeah, you can you can find us on our social networks at Drink Jazz. Um, if we, that's our, our Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter handle at Drink Jazz, or you can go on the website at um, drinkjazz.com. And just to confirm, jazz is J A S. Yes, J A S. Correct. All right. Well, Cecilia, it's such a pleasure talking with you, and thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, congratulations. Uh, good luck with your final final exam. Thank you, Brett. Um, really, really enjoyed talking with you as well, and um, good luck to everyone thinking about coming to Darden. And that was my interview with Cecilia Rios Marietta, a graduate from our full-time MBA class of 2022. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.